Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by co-founder of Van Leeuwen Ice Cream, Ben Van Leeuwen. Ben started Van Leeuwen in 2008 with his brother. Their mission was to create a good ice cream made with real ingredients. What started out as selling ice cream out of a truck in Brooklyn is now a nationwide phenomenon. You can find their scoop shops in New York, California, Texas, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey with more to come. You can also find their pints in retail stores nationwide. We are so excited to be chatting with Ben today. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're excited to have you on. For our listeners, can you please introduce yourselves and tell us who you are? Sure. I'm Ben Van Leeuwen, the co-founder and CEO of Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. We make ice cream in Brooklyn, New York, where we've been based for about 15 years. Amazing. So I'm sure some of our listeners are probably like, why are you guys having Van Leeuwen on the podcast with like a health and wellness focused podcast? But I think what we found super interesting about what you guys are doing, not only do you have a plant-based line, but your regular dairy ice cream line is really like full dairy. And we saw this recently with, you know, Cosmic Bliss coming out with a full dairy ice cream. And I think there's something to be said about healthiness, not just in like plant-based or keto or all these alternative words. Can you talk to us a little bit about like why you guys started Van Leeuwen and what makes your ice cream different? Sure. So we started Van Leeuwen because my brother Peter and I, who's still my business partner, drove good humor ice cream trucks where we grew up in Connecticut for like five years before we started Van Leeuwen. We did that. So that gave us the idea for mobile vending. I graduated from high school in 2002. I drove the ice cream truck for five months and I saved up enough money to travel around the world, which got me really excited about food and I'll say artisanal food. So food made with no unnecessary ingredients. And I'm not talking fancy food because when you go to like Southern Europe and Southeast Asia, good food is a normal thing and caring about where your ingredients are from is normal. It's you're not a foodie or a food snob. So that experience got me even more into food. I was finishing college and I needed a job and I knew about running ice cream trucks. And I thought, why doesn't somebody, and maybe that should be me, make an ice cream truck and serve really good ice cream off of that truck. But our plan was never to make our own ice cream. We didn't know how to make ice cream. So we said, let's find some really good ice cream that we can buy wholesale and we'll sell it off a truck. Same as what we used to do, but you know, high quality scooped ice cream instead of good humor bars. But we couldn't find anything that matched what we wanted to do, which was really high quality ingredients. So pistachios from Sicily, we used to use chocolate from Michelle Quizel, one of the best chocolate producers in the world, domain certified Piedmont hazelnuts, oak barrel aged vanilla extract that we had made for us. So we couldn't find anything that used those ingredients. And we also couldn't find anything that was doing a really high fat, high egg yolk ice cream with no stabilizers. So what we saw was some gelatos that were sort of marketed as fancy but they were really low in fat and we didn't think they were that tasty. 
And then we saw, you know, Hagen Doss, which is good. I won't knock them, but they weren't using an, to us enough fat, enough eggs in the level or the, the high enough quality ingredients to create a really awesome eating experience. So we think like our time on earth is precious. So if you're going to eat ice cream because it's not that good for you, right? It's dessert. It better be amazing. So for us, that means the 18% butterfat, 8% egg yolk, and then those ingredients that I just talked about. So it's really simple. It's expensive though to do. Yeah, it. but I love that what you were saying, it's really about those whole ingredients, not stabilizers. And at the end of the day, like everything in moderation. And we talk about that so much on the podcast with, with all the companies that we have on. But now like people see Van Lewins. I mean, if you're in New York City, there's a Van Lewin at least every couple blocks. I'm I'm in Philly, you know, two have opened here recently, which is super exciting. There's a ton out West. You go around LA. How did it grow? And, you know, from your truck to now scoop shops and what made you guys go the scoop shop route? Sure. So two years into the business, we had the opportunity to open a tiny, like a 100 square foot store in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which is where my partners, Pete and Laura and I all lived. And we opened that little store for, I think we got it open for $20,000. Incredible. I don't know how we did that because we can't do that anymore. And literally after one day of operating that store, we said, we're never building another truck. The stores make higher revenues. They're easier to operate. It's just a better business model. So at that point, we pivoted from this idea of our, we call it retail, our retail business being being trucks to wanting them to be stores. We were still running the trucks and they were profitable. So we used the profits from the trucks to open more stores. And then we built our own factory in Brooklyn because we had actually co-manufactured our first two years in business, which we didn't love. It didn't really allow us to do as much innovation and renovation as we thought the product needed and the brand needed to grow in the way we envisioned. I love that. So not only can people visit, you know, scoop shops today and, and get Van Leeuwen, but your pints are available in ton of retailers as well as like direct consumers. So what part of the business now is focused mainly on scoop shops versus, you know, your relationship with the Whole Foods or other grocers? It's about 50-50. So we focus on both. I mean, both have benefits. The grocery channel theoretically can scale very quickly, but the grocery channel is a much lower margin channel. And because of not this podcast, but because of podcasts like How I Built This, there's like, it seems like there's tens of thousands of entrepreneurs who are going into CPG to try to make a billion dollars quickly, which honestly sucks for us. It means this space is really crowded. And then for the last five years, there's been like so much VC money and even angel money like backing that. So the grocery channel is really hard, especially in ice cream right now. If you go into Whole Foods, half the brands are probably sub $2 million in revenue, not making a profit. So you say, well, why does that matter? That means it's just going to pull the profit in the, or the possible profit down from like more established brands like Van Leeuwen and our, our competitors who are closer to size than us. But then the Scoop Shop channel we love, it's higher margin. 
more expensive to start, right? You have to build a store and take some time. And it's just honestly, like for me, it's more fun. It's a lot more fun, like selling ice cream out of stores, interacting with people, being a part of the community. So yeah, we're doing both. Yeah. It's like what people think about when they go get ice cream, you know, it's like an experience and, uh, then you guys essentially, you get to control the customer journey, which is something we love to talk about, you know, like the quote unquote unboxing experience, you get to control it from like start to finish the tasting experience or what, whatever, when they're ordering their scoops. So you guys also have a vegan line. What was like the rationale between that and what's next for Van Leeuwen in terms of new product launches or things like that? So for the first three or four years of the business, Peter and Laura and I spent more than half of our time working on the trucks or working in the stores. So there was a ton of customer interaction and our customers were asking for vegan ice cream. So it was that simple. People were asking. The um, scale of requests was large enough that we thought we should do a vegan product. Fair enough. And and where what's next for the business? You know, like, are you... what? Just flavor innovation or? I mean, we're always doing flavor innovation. The the less sort of sexy part of R&D is actually what we call like renovation. So it's taking flavors we're already making or products we're already making and trying to improve them. And sometimes the improvements aren't because they weren't good, but it's because like the market's taste is changing. So one of my predictions is that And I don't think we're quite there yet. And in ice cream, it's tricky because you need sugar in ice cream. But I think sweetness level for at least the part of the population that buys Van Leeuwen, I think their tolerance for that is going to go down a little. American sweets tend to be like much sweeter than Asian sweets and European sweets in consumer packaged goods. And I think Americans are starting to say we don't need as much sugar. And this is anecdotal. I'm just seeing it with when I go to friends' houses and they've baked and they've said, oh, we took half the sugar out of the recipe and it's still really good. So we're thinking about what we're never going to do a keto or sugar-free ice cream, but we're just thinking about pulling back on sugar a little bit. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like you mentioned earlier, how crowded the shelf space is for ice cream. And I think that like, to your point, it's smart of you to be really focused on the scoop shops because that is such a tough fixed cost for like an entrepreneur to absorb compared to, I mean, there is a fixed slotting cost in many cases of getting on a grocery, but it's just not the same as that upfront cost of actually the physical real estate presence. So the fact that you guys have kind of the, the scoop shop model down, I think is a huge kind of competitive asset. And then I just think generally, like you guys have done an incredible job building like a, a genuine premium brand. Like I think when people think Van Leeuwen, sure, to your point earlier, like the cost inputs are high. And even the price point that you're kind of selling to consumers, maybe compared to your typical corner ice cream shop is also high. But at the same time, I think that you've done a nice job pushing consumers to pay that premium because of the brand that you've built and the quality that you've put into the product. And I think on the sugar front, right? Like if you think of the story of Halo Top and kind of what Nix is doing, right? Halo Top has been wildly successful, really kind of taking away the sugar and replacing it with alternatives. And so I think I agree to your point. Like I think it's interesting to think through if like the future consumer will continue to kind of demand less and less sugar, even from kind of their indulgence brands, like a Haagen-Dazs, like a Ben & Jerry's, like a Van Leeuwen. 
or if they'll be still willing to just really have that indulgence kind of occasion every week where they're really not looking to cut back on sugar. So I agree. It's an interesting point. Yeah. I mean, personally, I've never understood the better for you ice creams because they aren't good for you. Maybe they're better for you because there's no sugar, but there's so many healthy foods that are really delicious. So my thing has been, why would I have subpar ice cream if it, you know, has 15 ingredients, you know, no sugar. So that's great. But it's just, and I know there's so much money being made in that category. So maybe I should have put my preferences aside and said, let's do this. But I've just never understood it. And it's also so American in that sense that like, we want a free lunch. Like things without work. Or it's it's also so American that we feel the need to eat like a whole pint Right. Like we need, we can eat, we eat a whole pint of ice cream. We're like in your, in Europe, like you can just get like a single scoop of ice cream and be yeah. perfectly content. That's that's yeah. what I do. I mean, I, I live in salt and straw land to be totally honest up in Palo Alto. And I like, I, I sometimes go and I'm in line and like, I see these people coming out with like four scoops and a cone. And I'm like, all right, like you're really indulging. Like that's cool. And then yeah. for me, it's like, I'm not going to get like, the, like if there's a healthy ice cream, I don't want it, but like, I'm just going to get one scoop and like, that's fine. But I do think like, if you're trying to cover kind of a bunch of different consumer types and like, you know, maybe a consumer walks in with a group and, you know, they just had a workout and they really don't feel like, and, and they want to just continue to like have a completely healthy day. Maybe you have one or two line extensions in the shop that are just a little bit healthier for that kind of consumer just to serve while the rest of the group is looking for more of that indulgence moment. I don't know. See, uh, My thing would always be if you want a healthy snack and you don't want sugar, like don't eat ice cream. Avocado toast and lentil soup are like really yummy. And it's going to be way healthier than like the monk fruit sweetened, you know, ice cream with like seven ingredients that we don't really know what are and are highly processed. Again, I'm saying this and the market doesn't agree with me, you know, one thing that you guys are particularly known for is like some of your crazy flavors, you know, like the mac and cheese got a ton of press with your craft partnership. Like what was the impetus for this? And why do you guys do these crazy flavors? Sure. So, so craft reached out to us and said, do you want to make a craft mac and cheese ice cream flavor? I immediately said, yes, but we're going to have to create our own cheese flavor. Cause I, I just assumed their ingredients when it, um, pass our ingredient guardrails, which is no artificial coloring, no natural flavors, even no, no palm oil, but they actually cleaned their product label up like seven years ago. So the powder was fine. Colored with turmeric. It's basically like salt, turmeric and cultured milk. Wow. Um, so we were like, this is great. We can do this. And everything we do has to be, or at least we have to think it's delicious, right? We will never do anything. You know, we're we're not going to make like bone marrow and foie gras ice cream. So we get an article in food and wine, you know, which is just unnecessary. Like it's not going to be bad, but it's just like a pointless exercise and shock food marketing. So we really liked this one because we make a lot of cheese ice creams already or cultured ice creams. We use creme fraiche and sour cream and cream cheese and fromage blanc and flavors. This is going to actually taste really good. And it is going to delight the customer because it's surprising. And the color, which is colored with turmeric, like matches what people think of mac and cheese. So it sort of was in line with everything we want to do. Delicious, 
delight the customer. And then, of course, the marketing value. We also like, identified that like in America, we like love the juxtaposition of like nostalgic mass market foods with high end. You'll see in New York or San Francisco or maybe Philly too, like really fancy restaurants sometimes having their lager or Pilsner be like Budweiser or Miller. And it's this sort of reverse snobbery thing that like we're so down to earth, like, you know, it's still a $140 tasting menu, but you can get a Budweiser. We're Americans, we're cowboys. We left Europe, you know, 400 years ago because we weren't accepted. And don't worry, we're not the aristocracy. Like we'll still drink these beers, even though we're really fancy. So we saw this is that. I love that. It, and it make I mean, it got a ton of press. So you guys definitely obviously succeeded in that realm. What made you guys do your recent rebrand on the vegan pints? So you chose to, and I know it launched at Expo. When we created our package design with Pentagram, which is about eight years ago, we started the process. We made a mistake. We envisioned our products always all on a big shelf together. So all the vegan, all the dairies. In reality, A, you don't get all of your products into every store or even close. B, the vegan and dairy usually aren't together. So we were thinking about the dairy packaging, which was the pastel, very few product attributes on the front, you know, simple, confident. And we love that packaging. I mean, that packaging was so good that like, we're, I mean, we're, in a lawsuit right now suing Rebel, which is a better for you ice cream because they infringed on our trade dress. They basically completely ripped off our packaging or that is what we believe. So the vegan packaging just didn't look as good. So we were like, these usually aren't on shelf together. It's not as strong. It's a, you know, it's white with colored lettering, which a lot of other people are doing. So why don't we just apply the dairy design to this? And we think it'll make it move more because when we changed our dairy packaging or all of our packaging, like seven years ago, in the same stores we were in, our velocities that we'd already been in, our velocities doubled with the new packaging. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. We're going to hit our rapid fire, which is our favorite part of the podcast. We're going to throw some questions your way. No pressure. Favorite Van Leeuwen flavor? Peanut butter brownie chip. The vegan one or the regular? The regular. What's your favorite vegan one? Vegan would be the lemon creamsicle. It's a fermented coconut cream and sake kasu base with lemon in it as well. Wow. Those are two very, one's like very chocolatey one. Interesting. Yeah, one's more light. Favorite food? Gosh, what a hard question. Favorite food? Like favorite dish or... And any, whatever you want. Yeah, maybe favorite dish, go for it. My favorite dish would be a like pasta, a bucatini maybe, with a tuna ragu. Ooh, interesting. Go to place in Brooklyn. To eat? Yeah, or to hang out, but. Go to place in Brooklyn to eat. Forma pasta. There you go. And lastly, biggest mistake that you've made or regret? In in business. Yeah. Um, Trying to figure out how to make the shops sort of coffee, pastry, slash ice cream shops for the first almost 10 years that we were in business. 
we made great products, but we're an ice cream shop. And it was taking so much of our mind share to try to create that. Yeah, that's fair. And financial resources. So we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things that you do on a weekly or daily basis to be the best version of yourself so you can show up for yourself and for Van Leeuwen? So I exercise every day. I'll go to sometimes a like really intense workout class or I'll take a run, do some yoga. So that's a big one for me. And then the eating well thing. I mean, I do eat well. I, I don't eat very much meat at all, almost none, but I eat fish and I try to control my sugar intake, but being in the ice cream business and being at our factory every day where we also have our R&D lab, is, that's really hard. <laughs> that's I, I could not imagine how much ice cream I would consume if I like just worked inside of a ice cream factory like daily, but... That, I mean, someone has to taste it. So I'm sure most of our listeners know where to find you, but where can our listeners find you and learn more about Van Leeuwen? So we have ice cream scoop shops in New York, Philly, Houston, Los Angeles, coming soon to Connecticut, Dallas, Denver. And you can buy our ice cream in grocery stores all over the country. So Sprouts, Walmart, Whole Foods, um, Walmart has some really crazy flavors right now. Pizza, mac and cheese, Planet Earth, hot honey, some cool stuff there. Love it. Love it. Ben, it's been a pleasure and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks, Rachel. Thank have you. A good one. Thanks, Daniel. See you guys. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.